Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'll be your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in, and may the Lord bless this podcast greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and benefit. We hope that you'll enjoy today's episode. Well, today, I'm once again joined by a couple of our elders here at Believers, Jason Rowland and Philip Castleton. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Wonderful. We just had lunch on this day that we're recording and had a good time talking around the table. We've been talking probably for the last hour and a half, in fact, about all kinds of issues. And yes. um, it's been good fellowship. And, yes, uh, yes. Hopefully. Philip, um, you doing well? I am. I, I agree. I agree. It's been a good talk. It has been. We, we've, uh, those listening, we record our podcasts each month all in one day. It makes for a long day, but it makes for a good day. Lots of good conversation. But today we're going to go back to our typical format. We're going to be answering or asking a question and seeking to answer this question biblically. The question we're dealing with today is, what defines primary and secondary issues for a believer? And a follow-up question would be, are these c- categories helpful to be thinking in, or maybe should we be thinking in different categories, speaking specifically about doctrine and and life as it flows from the pages of Scripture? Jason, would you kick us off uh, in this conversation? I think that one of the things that uh, comes to our mind immediately when we talk about primary and secondary, if we're going to use those terms, we're thinking of primary issues being uh, the virgin birth, uh, the deity of the Holy Spirit, um, God as creator. These are just examples that are not comprehensive nor exhaustive, but those examples. And we think of secondary things such as um, tattoo, um, buying a lottery ticket. Some people might put birth control in that category. Um, secondary issues not being doctrinal um, and, and I know that that's the way that the culture thinks about it, and that's the way that it's taught in the churches. Uh, and, and again, in our neck of the woods anyway, that's the way that people would typically understand that, as um, these things are important, they're primary, these things are less important, um, they're secondary, and so these are issues that you can uh, take or leave. These are things that you can be involved in if you choose to, and it's not uh, a disobedience, and, and it's not um, um, causing your brother to stumble. Uh, that's how we would categorize that. Um, and I'm not sure that that is completely helpful for us. And I think that um, we might want to redefine the categories just a little bit to help us to think better. Uh, because, for example, let me just use birth control. Um Birth control for some would be a secondary issue because it's a privacy issue. It's, it's what each married couple would choose. Uh, and there's truth to that. However, I would say that it wouldn't be a secondary issue because the Bible informs the sanctity of life. The Bible informs what we are to think about 
life and then um, be um, protective of that and certainly be aware that each time we come together as husband and wife that there's the possibility of creating a life so that we want to uh, guard against that. The Bible informs that, and it's not just a matter of convenience and not just a matter of uh, circumstance. It's not just a, a matter of um, whatever I, I feel like it would be the most uh, important for me. So so that's why I'm thinking that we need to try to adjust our categories. And, and so, Philip, I think you have some good thought about this in your opinion, and I think there's some validity in how you would think about this. So I know you don't like necessarily the category primary and secondary. And in fact, as we've talked about this in preparation for our discussion, I think we've kind of come to a conclusion that we want to use the categories primary and audiophora or um, um, less important, not less important, but... Um, well, we talked before indifferent, recording indifferent. indifferent. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a distinction between a doctrinal disagreement or an indifferent disagreement that, that does is not a... a not directly doctrinal from the pages of scripture. Mm -hmm. And these are the two categories in which to think not that there are some doctrines in scripture that are less important than others. And right. I think, uh, Philip, we, we, before recording, we spoke quite a bit at length. Would you, would you come into this conversation and just kind of help us think of, about these categories that are presented primary and secondary and how they can be either adjusted or uh, thought of in different ways? Yeah. The, the issue, at least from my thinking, has really taken shape in this way. For, for years and years, we've heard um, that um, our fellowship um, you know, is based on um, holding certain, certain doctrines as, as primary, right? So, and, and usually the way it goes is, um, can we have fellowship with so-and-so? Well, you know, are they a believer? You know, or do they, do they hold... You know, is it is it a salvation issue? If it's not a salvation issue, then because um, only the salvation issues um, and and I in their thinking, though they might not articulate justification, that's what they're thinking, right? Have they have they been born again? Are they born again? If it's not a born again issue, then it's a secondary issue. We can have fellowship because of that. I argue that salvation is is always represented in three ways: we are saved, we're being saved, we're going to be saved, right? Uh, or justification, sanctification, glorification. Um, I ar would argue that sola scriptura would inform us to understand that all then, all scripture is primary. There is no secondary um, uh, doctrines. I would base this on Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. All scripture, all, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's our sanctification. That is our salvation in, in, in one aspect, right? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for our sanctification. So from my perspective, the idea that, um, that there are primary doctrines that deal with salvation and every other doctrine is, is, is secondary, I, are, I think is, is a really bad um, way of understanding this, and this is why I would find the primary secondary categories as unhelpful at best, maybe even dangerous. And I'll say dangerous in this sense: for those of us who who are 
who have a, a common understanding of, of biblical doctrine, we can use primary and secondary um, terminology to really be describing the line that's drawn, you know, where we draw a line for when we're going to have fellowship and not going to have fellowship, for example, say with a neighboring church or when um, some kind of ecumenical um, uh, uh effort is made, right? Sure, where sure. do we draw this line? So we th that may be helpful there, but where that terminology has gone culturally um, is to say, well, it, it, as long as you hold this one particular thing, you know, this, this, how a person is saved, as long as you believe that justification is by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then all else is, is secondary. We, those things aren't important. And I say, that's a bunch of hogwash. The Bible says it's all important, right? It actually informs the way we grow, informs the way we obey. It informs how how our salvation is worked out in our life between the point of our justification and our glorification. So I say all of that is, is hogwash to just dismiss it as secondary. Now, we've got to make distinctions somewhere, right? Well, where do we make those distinctions on? On when to divide. Well, I think the Bible gives us some 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 helpful ways to think about this, right? First um, Corinthians chapter five would tell us that one of the places that we separate from a believer is not, um, uh, you know, when they don't hold the doctrines of grace necessarily, right? Or uh, because they might be um, charismatic or something like that. That's not the place to divide. But if a man calls himself a brother and is an unrepentant sin, that, in fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, your boasting's not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. And, um, you know, the point is if a man calls himself a brother and he stays in unrepentant sin, he won't remove himself from a sinful situation and abandon that sin and come back. The Bible says that's the man that you separate yourself from because his sin will encroach upon you and, and affect you, right? This is why he's saying, don't you do away with that. There's a, a, there's a, a line or a marker for which we divide. And, and it's not um, a doctrinal marker. It is a sin marker. There are other places. I mean, we obviously can't be, sin can't be the only marker uh, that in a place where we make divisions. I mean, you know, as Believers Baptist Church, there's places that there's certain things that one must believe to be a part, uh, to be a member of Believers Baptist Church, and certain things that we believe, we believe are truthful and doctrinal, and we teach that we don't um, necessarily require of a member of Believers Baptist Church to be a part. And, um, and though um, we... We, we do draw a line somewhere, and I know for some people, they would use the language, we'll see, this is where primary and secondary categories come in. As long as we're all talking about the same thing, those categories, I think they may be helpful. As soon as um, you get outside of people with a common understanding of God's Word, I think they become very dangerous because then it establishes this mere Christianity uh, idea, Right? Here's the basics. This is all that's really important. Here's, the, here's five fundamentals. And once you get past that, all of the rest of it really doesn't matter. And I say, Scripture says, no, it all matters. And so I, I, I don't find those categories ultimately helpful. Sure. I'd love to just examine one text that, for me, this, this is uh, at least something, of, of what, something that informs this conversation. Romans 14, 
Paul writes as he's finishing up a lot of this uh, heavy, heavy, heavy doctrine at the beginning and middle part of the letter. He says, as for one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who desp- who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he'll be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And he goes on and, and talks about these uh, in-house division. I don't know, not divisions, distinctions between mm-hmm. uh, believers. It's, al- it's almost... I kind of want to make the the argument that Paul is talking about people in, in different phases of their sanctification. Sure. So he's talking about professing believers who are regenerate. Um, this isn't just everyone, but this is in-house, in the house of God. But there seems to be some form. How, how do we make sense of this? Uh, particularly here at Believers Baptist Church, you were, you were talking about it. I'd love to go just a little bit deeper or a little bit further with... How can we unite as as a church, understanding that there are there's not uniformity of belief, mm-hmm. but there's a unity. What unites us, even in in disagreement here, and with these, uh, and we we are using primary and secondary sure. as issues, but um, even with with different, we we some we have to account for this. This is in in the body of Christ in a local. I'm trying to make this just. Very practical for us as we're sure. thinking through these categories, and it's absolutely true um, that that doctrine is going to inform um, how we work, how these things are worked out in our lives, right? So I'm not saying that th- this is I'm devoid of doctrine, but the things in, in Romans 14 specifically, or what I would argue in the context of, of Christian freedom, right? One's conscience bears witness. Um, that this is one thing is okay, and another one's conscience is saying no. Now, ultimately, those things are informed by a a a, a growing understanding of God's word and doctrine. So, I'm not saying that it doesn't inform those things, but ultimately, whether a person eats meat offered to an idol or doesn't eat meat offered to an idol, the the, the eating the meat isn't the issue. It's it's how they act in faith there that's the issue, right? If the person who doesn't eat meat is is doing that to the glory of God in faith, he's obedient. Right. If the person who's done do, does eat the meat is doing it to the glory of God in Christ, he's being obedient, and so that's a matter of Christian liberty. Sure, that's sure. a matter, and that would be what I would consider uh, in the category of audiophorus. So, to me, instead of being primary and secondary, I would like um, doctrine versus audiophora, right? Or or primary versus um, in, indifferent. Or, or, you know, I don't know if that's even a good way so of phrasing what, it. But. Do you got? Would you guys give us a definite? Like, what? What do we mean? Maybe someone is listening. Don't know. Does not know the term audiophora. What do we? What do we mean by that? Is it just? Does it mean indifferent? Is there? Is there a context in which this word is used? That's not a word we commonly speak in terms of. It's a theological term, but it is mean. It means that to which we're indifferent to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it doesn't mean though that it doesn't matter in that sense. That that we should have a, a passive or an indifferent attitude toward it. Sure. No, what it does mean though sure. is that it ultimately doesn't inform. Um, I mean, we're not. In, it's not being directly informed by any particular, um, or or we shouldn't uh, put particular credence or, or emphasis on it. So it's something, um, in a real sense, informed by our conscience or, or something to that effect. At least from my perspective. Sure. And that's. I think that's helpful. Um, I guess where I would want to pushback in this area would be 
that a choice made in conscience from a believer's perspective is going to be necessarily informed, whether rightly or wrongly, from a doctrinal stance at some at some level. And so how would we think about those categories of the the importance of the doctrine informing the conscience? Does that make sense? Well, all, but all all of our actions are ultimately in for, are theological, right? Every everything true, we do is true. ultimately theological. So true. so in in this sense, and 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 some even sinful actions are ultimately theological actions. When we when we do something sinful, we're making a theological statement about who God is and, and our opinion about God in that moment. So we're ultimately so every action is ultimately theological and is informed by some doctrine, right? Whether it's a biblical doctrine or not. So. Um, we can't divorce any action ultimately from th- theology, good or bad. So I, I, I'm with you there. Um, but at some point, something, um, and, and the Bible gives us this category of, of Christian freedom. It's not something we've made up on our own. So the Bible gives us this category of Christian freedom, and some things fall in that category. The Bible tells us that some things fall in that category. And from my perspective, that's the area in which we can be indifferent to how, how a person believes, right? But um, um, but but the the doctrines laid out in Scripture are not, even though we recognize that the way that person acts is informed to some extent, good, bad, or indifferent, good, bad, um, sure. by by that particular sure. doctrine. Is that Jason, help? yeah, Jason, do you have any thoughts to add into that? Uh, what Philip was just speaking to? No, I think I think they, that he articulated it well. Um, I think that. Um, we do have freedom within our our conscience as believers uh, to think differently than other believers about certain things uh, without um, being uh, condemned or trying to be forced to, to believe as I believe. Um, sure. But when those things cross a line of sin or doctrine, then, then they no longer become matters of conscience. Uh, one of the things that I thought might be helpful for the listener just... Um, um, out of an article that that uh, I had come across in thinking about this episode, um, it's out of First Corinthians where uh, Philip referenced First Corinthians earlier. But here's some examples of what would be primary, and then what would be audiophora or or um, um, would you, yeah, would you guys, just so that we're super clear here, would you guys equate the uh, the audiophora with um, matters matters of conscience? Is that the same category we're discussing? I think so. Indifference and matters of conscience? Or are those two separate categories? Because uh, I know we're talking as if almost... I think for some people, they're probably, uh, they overlap in some way, but okay. they could be dis- there could be di- differences. For me, I think that... I, I make I take a pretty hardline stance, so I'm 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 holding almost everything over here in in the primary category, and then um, um, uh, I give only deference, if you will, in the area of Christian freedom, I, at least in my in my category. Okay. That yep. doesn't mean that we don't draw lines in certain places, and I'm not even arguing that they're consistent lines all the time. Because we have to draw lines, we you know we have to make distinctions, and sometimes we we might make distinctions in different areas than than God's word defines for us definitive lines to make. Sure. But um, but yeah, for me, I make a hard line distinction between primary and matters of. Jason, conscience. would you also would you agree with what Philip said here, or would you 
pretty much be using those terms interchangeably? Um, I think I would use the word um, interchangeably. I think that um, we're going to do another podcast uh, about the Sabbath in just a, um, a few minutes when this episode is done. And uh, I think that there's room for conscience in some of that thinking about how Christians um, relate to the Sabbath. Um, but I don't know, I, and I guess in, in some ways it's um, uh, audiophora, it's indifference. But I, I hate to, I don't want to blur the lines too much on that either. I'm, I'm kind of with Philip in that. I don't want to blur the lines, but I think we can use those words um, interchangeably. So here's the, here's the article. Here's some thought here. Here's some things that are primary that would be doctrinal issues. Destroying God's church through pride and divisiveness. This is from chapter 3, verses 5 through 17. In chapter 5, verses 9 through 13, uh, sexual immorality, greed, idolatry, slander, drunkenness. These become doctrinal issues. In chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, homosexual practice, the uh, theft, greed, drunkenness. In chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, there is only one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ. And worshiping him is incompatible with participating in idolatrous worship. In chapter 8, verses 7 through 13, causing a brother or sister to stumble through idolatry. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, idolatry, sexual immorality, testing Christ and grumbling can lead to destruction. Chapter 11, verses 17 through 34, taking communion in an unworthy manner incurs guilt before the Lord. And and there are others that I could read, but you get the point that these become doctrinal issues that that we um, must adhere to. Uh, and then there's secondary issues from the book that is 1 Corinthians, for example, in chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, and I say secondary out of habit, but I mean audiophora, um, the person who baptized you. It doesn't matter who baptized you, does it? Um, that's the argument that the article is making. Chapter 7, verse 6 through 11, whether or not an individual should get married. Depends on the circumstance, the the uh, gifting, or whether it's celibacy as a gift or not. Chapter 7, verses 17 through 24, if a person is circumcised. Chapter 9, verse 3 through 18, gospel preachers are entitled to travel with their spouses and receive financial support, but they aren't required to do that. Chapter 9, 19 through 23, Christians are free with respect to all kinds of practices that might identify them either as Jewish or uh, Greek. Chapter 10, verses 23 through 33, it does not matter whether you eat or drink things that have previously been offered in sacrifice. Again, there are others that I could read, but I think that that article kind of lays out this idea of primary and You know, something that, 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 that I was thinking about as you were reading that is really the distinction is not between primary and secondary doctrines, but really the distinction between doctrine and the duty that the doctrine um, – Prescribes. Uh, prescribes. The doctrine is always primary. The way the duty is worked out is informed by doctrine, but that in itself is where there's room for, for movement, right? And, um, 
you know, it's like we were talking about earlier, pre, pre-discussion, pre you said, well, what about the person who, and then you named off this and that and the other. And one of the things you mentioned was, what about this particular group that wouldn't hold to a, we we're talking about this, um, the Holy Spirit, for example, as um, deity. Well, that would be an idolatrous act, right? Because now we're, we're worshiping a God other than the God prescribed in Scripture, and our worship can never be in conjunction with um, an act of idolatry like you just read there. I think that would be a line that we would make. But there needs to be a distinction between the the doctrine and the duty that the doctrine prescribes or that flows out of that doctrine. And I think that might be a helpful way of, of separating Good thought. So, so here's, here's one thought. This is just right off the top of my head. It was mentioned earlier, tattoos. So the doctrine would be laid out in Scripture that we see that our body as New Covenant believers, born again, the Holy Spirit resides in us. We are the temple of the Lord. The Lord resides in us. And so the practice of no, of that doctrine, uh, we could use the term secondary sometimes in, in the sense of, should a person get a tattoo or not? Is that defiling the temple of the Lord? I've heard that. That I don't know if you guys have heard that before. Yeah. Uh, piercings, you know, w- how we take care of our bodies um, in, in, in eating, right? Sometimes we have this, well, if, the, if your body is the temple of the Lord, we keep it holy. And we, we can take that, I think, too far. We can over, overreach in that area. Um, I think the, the issue... So is, this, is that what you're talking... You, we have the doctrine... That, yes. that we can agree upon, well, but how, it, that, the, how the practice well, is. Well, yes, it, it's not going to be the same for both, okay? Sure, sure. I have tattoos. I wish I didn't, Sure. okay? I have tattoos, Sure. and if I could go back and do it over, I'm actually of the of the ilk that, um, that um, I, I don't like them, okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to say well, they're sinful. I'm saying yeah, I don't like sure, them. Sure, but, sure, sure. But, but, but another person might go, um, you know, hey, my body's the temple. And um, I'm going to get this, and I'm going to do it because God is. I'm going to decorate I, the temple, but I glorify right? God, and and it's yeah, just the whole yeah. thing. It's like the person who said, "Well, I feel God said I shouldn't smoke cigars. Don't smoke them." And then Spurgeon comes along and says, "Give them to me, and I'll smoke them to the glory of God." It's that kind of thing, right? I, that's just where there's a certain area in which we have freedom informed by a biblically informed conscience. Right. So as the Bible informs our conscience, we act out the duty that the doctrine informs. And I think we have to make a distinction between the doctrine and the outworking of that duty. I think the question is yeah. motive. Why do I want to get a tattoo? Yes. What am I trying to and say? That, yes, that's a great. I don't want to interrupt you, but that's a wonderful. I think that's exactly what he was talking about just now, though. Motive yeah. is a great word to bring into this yeah. conversation. And that particular instance, I mean, I mean, sure. I'm just saying that particular uh, example motive yes. would be determining factor for, at least in my thinking, of um, determining whether that's uh, primary or secondary for you, or primary or audi offer for you. Sure, and and you could take this. You know, Paul addresses this in Romans six, and in in prior chapters, he answers all of these. He asks these anticipated questions to the doctrine he's laying out right systematically, and we see in First uh, Corinthians ten, is it that he says. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all things to the glory of God. And some someone could come along and say, well, if we know that we are saved and we are secure in that salvation, should we just keep on sinning? I can I can do whatever I do to the glory of God. This I'm just being playing devil's advocate here, right? right. And so this is the doctrine that we have, but the practice that flows from that. Um, 
I mean, well, this is this is some tricky if the stuff. outworking of your doctrine is sinful behavior. That's you right. have an improper doctrine. Of course, and of so, course. So, so that Paul but what actually if it corrects isn't necessarily a sinful behavior in the sense of maybe well, it's not wise. If but it's maybe not it's done to the glory sinful. of God, it's ultimately sinful. So, it, it, the point that he makes about eating meat or not eating meat, right, yeah. is ultimately can you eat meat and do it to the glory of God? Then, by all means, buy the steak and cook it medium rare and go for it, right? If you can't, right, then by all means, don't. Eat the vegetables and do them to the glory of God, because the motive of your heart in that moment is what is the determining factor. On so, but if 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 you think that doctrine is informing you to behave sinfully, your doctrine is wrong. Correct. That's a great point. So we we started the podcast with this with these two categories of primary and secondary issues. Should we maybe replace those categories with something along the lines of doctrine and duty? Are those helpful? We have a doctrine that we must agree upon, that we should not have much give and take, but the way that that doctrine informs our practice and life and duty, do you think that that, that is a category of conscience and indifference? I think that's one way. Okay. There are, and I say that only because this, there are still, we still have to ultimately make divisions doctrinally when we decide, like, for example, who we're going to take into membership and who we're not, that isn't ultimately worked out in um, just how someone um, lives out the doctrine they believe. Sure, sure. So we're still making distinctions there, and we have to draw lines. And I think that's why so many people like the idea of primary and secondary categories. I, I, I just find them ultimately problematic because if we live in that world, we're going to end up believing, for most of us, that some are more important than others. I just don't like that world at all. Some so, doctrines are more important than other doctrines. Yes, yeah, so we do sure, make sure. distinctions. We have to, right? Sure. And, and so, and not every church is going to make the same ones. But but I do think the doctrine duty distinction is probably a good one set of categories that we could that we can live in, which will help us make uh, healthy distinctions. Um, and then um, there, but there still has to be lines drawn, even doctrinally. For me, not primary, secondary, but um, but we have to draw lines in places. And like I said, this is where I know that anybody who's listening is going to go, well, you're being inconsistent. I, I may be, but I don't know what else to do. We all are, right? And we're all human beings, and um, trying to understand and work this out is, is, is a difficulty. Um, but I think I, what we can pull from... For, for this particular topic, I think what we should pull from is that this our Christians ought to be thinking critically and carefully about, first of all, our doctrine and how how we read Scripture and what we glean from Scripture, but also how it informs our life and practice. And this should not be haphazard or just kind of tossing it to the wind and saying, you know, I love Jesus and everything else is really, you know, Tomato, tomato, it's all good. Um, no, it's. I think all three of us would agree. That's a. That's a. That's a. Um, 
a very dangerous way to think. Well, I think that that thought actually reveals the fact that you don't love Jesus very much. Well, because that, he has proven I, over I and over, you. if yes. you if you if you would bypass my word, you bypassed yes. me. Yes, right. I, I've spoken these things, I and I hold them in a certain esteem, and you will too if yes. you belong to me. Yes. So I think to 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 articulate that view in that way, and a lot of people do kind of hold that view. I love Jesus, and it all and the rest of it doesn't matter. You're ultimately saying I don't love Jesus very much, or I would um, consider His word more important. Yeah, and and we'll go to you, Jason, in just a moment to wrap things up. Um, we are coming to the end of this episode, but. If we hold this, I love Jesus and everything else is kind of up for grabs, then we end up in a a situation where we don't attend a church. We don't join a local body of believers because it's just me and Jesus. It's this coffee cup, coffee mug, t-shirt theology that sounds good printed upon something, but it's, it's really lifeless theology. It's, it's unhelpful. It's dangerous. Um, so, Jason, would you give us kind of some final closing thoughts before we wrap up with this topic? Well, that's a good segue into what I was about to bring to the discussion to end it up is that we want to be careful then that we don't begin to lean into these these ideas of um, baptism is a matter of uh, conscience or what I would choose to do or church membership or church attendance um, and it, it doesn't matter if I go to church or not because I, I'm still saved and I, I um, still love Jesus. And so the attendance is not important. Uh, when we start leaning into that, then we have we've overstepped and we've, we've taken um, the duties that are given to us, um, no, first of all, toward God, but then toward one another. And we've made those secondary in our mind that the Bible says are primary. So um, let's just be careful that we don't take the important things that God has said, the common means of grace to us, and then make them less significant, less important to our sanctification, because then we have only, um, we put ourselves in a dangerous place spiritually, um, but we have also, at, at the very best, we've stunted our growth. We've hindered our sanctification. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what Philip was alluding to earlier is that really what we're talking about is sanctification issues. And sanctification is what happens in the life of every believer from the moment of regeneration till our glorification. Every moment is ordered by our God. It's, it is used for our benefit and for our growth. And he's used the means of his word and his people primarily to, for those uh, for our sanctification. If we neglect either one of those, we're in in dangerous uh, situation. Well, listener, we are so thankful that you've taken the time to listen. That's it for this episode. Um, thank you for listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, and we hope that it has been a blessing to you to help you think more biblically in these categories. Please like and share these podcasts. Get on social media hit the share button uh, from our, either from our website or our Facebook page. And if any of these conversations that we have uh, spark questions in your mind, you can go to our website, bbcemory.org, and select our media tab, and there's a box that you can input a question that we can consider for a further podcast. Well, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.